Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Warbly Talks. Today, I have the honor and the pleasure to sit down with Mr. Robert DeWilder, who is, of course, the CTO, Chief Technical Officer for Warbly. Robert, so much going on with Warbly, so much going on in the space. It's really cool to finally be able to drag you into one of these and sit down and just have a quick chat with you. Yeah, no, the pleasure is all mine. And, and, and thank you for uh, having us on, or having me on. Talk to Dominic. And Dominic had mentioned to me that you were kind of instrumental in the decision to actually use EOS.io. And I think that the question that I wanted to ask you was, why did you guys choose EOS for Warbly? Yeah, so, so before I joined Warbly, I'd, I'd been interested in uh, DLT for several years. Um, and, and my background is I've spent 20 years um, working for Sony, Sony Music. So a, a very corporate kind of enterprise environment. Um, and I found uh, when blocked, when Bitcoin came out, I'm also kind of a gold person. I like physical gold and stuff, you know, kind of everything that came out of the 2008 financial crisis and stuff. So Bitcoin, uh, aside from its kind of decentralization and kind of providing an alternative to kind of the power structures that were looking at it from a technical person, it's extremely elegant. And just the the disciplines that they they married to build that system, I just was, it, it kind of blew me away. It's like game theory, economics, cryptography, just straight up kind of programming, peer-to-peer. It was, it was, it was very interesting. And then again, um, being a gold person, it, 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 it is basically kind of gold mining in software. Then Ethereum came out and kind of it was a natural evolution to kind of create a general computing platform on top of it. So, however, I always kind of thought of both of them as proof of concepts. Never thought either of them would have the legs they had. I, I mean, again, very impressive. If I was the creator of either one of them, that could be my opus as a professional. Uh, but again, um, I, you know, you just kind of learn that the first generation of stuff is usually iterated upon and, and, and it's just kind of a, a lesson I've, I've learned from the years in, in my profession. So basically, um, I just, the, the metrics that I was seeing, you know, the transaction throughput and just the whole governance, again, coming from an enterprise space where we were looking to be enterprise friendly, there's no way Sony would use a public blockchain, right? It's just, it, or, or any real kind of big company. There's just too much variability. And then, and then also big companies have, you know, compliance requirements that they, they have to meet based on stockholders and just kind of internal governance. So uh, I was looking more towards the uh, permissioned blockchain implementation. So like Hyperledger, Corda, stuff like that. And then uh, just Googling, I came upon, I came upon EOSIO, really wasn't familiar with Dan at the time or or block one or anything and then first of all read their white paper and was really impressed I mean it it, it was addressing a lot of the I, I think a lot of the challenges that uh, you know the currently crop the current crop of blockchains had one of them was just the hardcore unforgivability of it right you make a mistake yeah, and and that's it. So that was something that was also not going to really work for what we were trying to do. 
So um, the white paper was good. I, I, and I've been interested in kind of high throughput kind of volume and scaling. And not to get too technical, but I recognize that the um, EOS IO software was taking a lot of lessons from the LMAX architecture, which is an exchange. Um, it's an exchange software that's uh, meant to optimize throughput on single threaded uh, workflows. So, so I, I, you know, that gave it a degree of credibility. And then just to be honest, there was quite a bit of hype at the time around EOS. And then just the massive war chest they built up. I, I mean, just the fact that people were putting a, a lot of their, you know, their money behind it. I just figured, uh, well, yeah, let's, I, and I looked at what was already um, delivered. This was probably around January of 2018. So Dawn was already out. And, and it was runnable. So yeah, it did just, it, it kind of fit what we wanted to do nicely. Aside from the, uh, the technology, what came with it is the relationships with all the block producer teams, right? So if we were running, we decided to go with Hyperledger or something, we, we would have had to bootstrap that from the ground up, like who would run our validator nodes and whatnot. But being part of the EOS ecosystem, you know, that comes with a lot of um, very capable teams around the world that know the software, know the space, and, and, and are passionate about it. So that, that was an added benefit. But uh, to be honest, that was emergent. Uh, I didn't recognize that when I made the decision. So if you were to kind of vocalize what the difference between Warbly, Mainnet, and other sister chains are, if you were to break that down, how would you do so? Yeah, so so just right now we have no intention of modifying playing with the core protocol. That's just um first of all it's just uh it works fine for what we're doing right now and then also you, you know you run a real risk of a hard fork when you're not able to maintain it and and just you know block one has way more resources than we do. So again we have no intention of of deviating from that. So our uh, our differentiators are, are in our, our contract layer, and it's mostly, well, it's, it's, it's in all aspects. And we took a lot of lessons. Warbly, you know, participated in the launch of, of the mainnet. And to be honest, I was just, wow, this is kind of too much democracy. You, you, you know, it, it just there weren't um, decisions are hard. There's too many voices and whatnot. So the main one, which I think is obvious to everyone, is we're, we're starting centralized. So we are able to pivot much more quickly and just kind of come to consensus on any changes very rapidly. And that'll, I think that gives us a lot of freedom and agility to just get the chain launched. Plus, I, I mean, I'll be the first one to say, and I, I'm, I think anyone who says differently either should be rich already or is just not telling the truth is I you know I, I don't know what is is going this it drives into a later question but I'm not really sure I can't predict what's in store for blockchain in the future so we want to be very reactive to application needs. It's going to be applications that really drive adoption of the technology and stuff. So in that aspect what we really want to do is provide predictable resource uh, access to resources so um, again coming from an enterprise background 
I generally have a problem with the token, the utility token model. It's just, it's too volatile. I, I mean, essentially, if a, if a company wants to do anything major on the blockchain, well, man, they're going to have to have some sort of currency traders uh, just managing the token economics if they have heavy usage of it. I, I'm just, I'm not sure I see that as a real kind of viable long-term solution. So one of the big things we've done is we've taken out the RAM market. So we're essentially giving away RAM. So we, we have some, we have a, well, as you know, we do KYC. So anyone who gets an account on the chain is going through a KYC process. That is the same for app developers. And then apps are vetted. Um, we're not looking for, we're looking for quality applications to come on, on the chain. And that, that, that's not to put down any other apps out there. Every app that's out there is helping uh, blockchain adoption. But we're looking to really drive kind of the enterprise use case to attract enterprises. I'm, I'm just kind of a firm believer that adoption kind of generally for new technology comes from the top down. It comes from enterprises and governments kind of showing what can be done. They generally have the resources and the patience to kind of see it through. Whereas blockchain in general seems to me have been more of a populist kind of movement. It started kind of from the, the ground up. So, so again, back to the question, RAM, we're taking away the volatility of that. We just um, will give it away to, to apps. This also should make app development easier. Again, it, it, the, this will play out as apps develop on our platform, but I think it maybe eliminates the need to use the user scope and, and um, managing who's paying for RAM on that. If the RAM's getting given away, the, the dApps can just use their, their scope and pay for the, for the, for the RAM. Another thing is, is the, just the uh, CPU and net resources. As you know, depending on usage, there can be a wide range of variability in what you get for your stake. So we're eliminating the variability under the, so we're, we no longer have a congestion threshold. We're essentially pushing the, gonna push the uh, congestion threshold to zero. So the rate limiting is there from the beginning. And then that just provides predictability. What you pay for is what you get. So. That's an, uh, another one. I, I've, I've spoken to the KYC aspect, but on top of that, um, we're going to add other fields. So, so we're going to we're implementing various layers of verification for user accounts. So you could have a, an accredited investor, institutional investor, an exchange, what have you. It'll be uh, it'll be dynamic, so we can add to that list as required. And then we're working on updates to the token contract so that you can issue a token that's restricted to a certain class or classes of users. So this runs into just we want to have a compliant chain that allows you know, various businesses, types of businesses to carry on business in a compliant manner. And then uh, let, let's see, finally, or not finally, but we are, let, let's see, uh, stability or, or no performance. So the fact that we're we we lean more towards the permissioned side of the spectrum. 
even though it it's well it is permissioned but it's not centralized so we're using most of our block producers are um, participate on the main net um, but what that allows us since they're known entities and it's predictable um, we have a lot more levers we can pull in optimizing the chain so we can mess with the producer schedule based on you know network latency or proximity and then also probably what we will do is uh, well first of all we have meetings regular meetings with the block producers and what we're focusing on performance and then also we can commoditize the hardware if we need to so you know if, if a point in time comes where we need to really optimize uh, the performance you know we can come up with standard hardware that that everyone um, can run and then there's a lot of other things that probably aren't obvious even to me um, that we can do since we've just got a, um, a a known set of producers and and whatnot so that's a pretty good breakdown of everything I think the fact that predictable cost for for application developers is a huge one as well as you mentioned and the ability to kind of modify the change which also kind of segues into the next question that I wanted to ask you and this is something that I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what are kind of some of the technical developments that are on the horizon for Warbly in the next three to six months well yeah so all of these things we're working on so what uh, one of the the big one is really just improving our KYC process and then also implementing a corporate KYC process. And then also, again, this is related to the previous question, uh, setting those, those KYC properties or verifications as part of the account profile and then exposing that for other contracts. So as I said, token contracts will definitely be leveraging that but this will be available for any you know, third-party applications they want to. If they want to restrict activities um, to a certain class of um, users, they certainly uh, can do that. Another thing we're currently working on is our utility model. So that's another difference, and it's basically how we're handling the inflation. So really, because, and there's a whole separate paper on that, and we can probably do another session just based on that. And that wasn't, most of that work was, was um, another colleague of ours that we're, we're working with. Um, but essentially, it promotes utility of the chain. So that, uh, most of the rewards go to the app developers uh, to do that. And, and one of the things with the, with the current implementations is, at the end of the day, the, the core token is a utility token, right? So I, I fear that if, if, if you don't have the right economic model, you could have a lot of these tokens sitting on the sideline. So the chain has never uh, optimized the utility. So again, our, our utility model really promotes either lending out your tokens for someone who needs it or, or just rewarding utility on the chain for, for using it. So our hope is that there's not a lot of uh, token sitting there idle, just uh, just taking up time. So, uh, and then anything else that we're doing? Yeah, I, I, I mean, that, that's the general thing. And then really just trying to bring applications onboarding. So we spend quite a bit of time 
just really talking to various applications. Um, a, a lot of a lot of the thing too is is really educating people about blockchain, right? I've worked with a lot of highly technical people my whole career, and a lot of them still don't understand blockchain. And it actually took me a while to really figure it out. And then I know this is kind of reductive, but essentially it's a database. The, the blockchain is the data store, and the contracts are your stored procedure layer. It's a, it's a, um, but it, this block, this database has some very unique properties. First of all, it's kind of expensive, so um, yet you want to use that, but it's also, it kind of stores trust if you want to kind of distill it to a certain layer. So it's, it's basically tamper-proof, it's distributed, and it's, it, it's transparent, so it's publicly auditable. And those are extremely valuable properties, but I see, I, and I come from more of what, what, what really drives me is, is decentralization in general. So I'm not a blockchain maximalist or anything. I see blockchain as a piece of a decentralized kind of economy. So, so there's other, um, and I, I kind of equate where, where blockchain or decentralization is, is kind of what the, where the internet was in the mid to late nineties. Right. It, it, it was, you know, back then, you couldn't support the major businesses we think of right now. I mean, you couldn't even stream video back then, right? So you, you didn't have the Facebook, the Netflix, the YouTube. So that's where we are. So, you know, um, so if you look at blockchain as kind of the database layer, we still are looking for a robust and reliable storage layer. It looks like IPFS might be coming on that. Um, and then you've got kind of the content delivery aspect to it and I know you've got um, web web torrent and, and stuff like that but um, there's still a lot of tooling and kind of infrastructure to be built I totally get what you're saying now blockchain is is a new technology and I think that you likening it to the days of the internet before when we were still figuring out what the internet is is like very accurate and that being said of course that's going to bring with any emerging technology certain difficulties what would you say some of the biggest challenges that you've had to solve technically have been with warbly so far well me personally it was really first of all wrapping my head around what blockchain was again i think there was just a lot of misinformation a lot of hype i consider myself very technical but I had trouble wrapping my head around, like you would hear people talk and, and they would be saying, oh, it'll replace the cloud providers and stuff. And I'm just like, that doesn't compute to me. And then finally, once you get through the noise and you realize what it is, then it's, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. But in our implementation, it was really the hardest part. And again, this is what I struggle with is, I feel like a lot of effort is put into the token economics and not the actual solving the problems, right? But I do think blockchain's gonna play a major role in identity is a global KYC solution. So implementing a global KYC solution is, is just a, a bear. You know, there various jurisdictions have various qualities of databases and stuff. They have different rules and whatnot so we i think we really kind of 
we're punching again, uh, out, uh, punching over our weight class on a global rollout of KYC. So that was a, that, so yeah, that was a, a big thing. And then really finding, finding technical resources that kind of know the whole gamut. I, I mean, you, you know, like again, blockchain in and of itself is just a piece of the puzzle, right? So, but you really need people who are familiar with kind of web development or even just desktop app development and familiar with blockchain and how to apply it, right? So, so one thing we also don't want to do is, you know, as we have um, business prospects come to us, we try to be honest and go, well, do you really need the blockchain for this? So I, I and um, you know, we want to drive valuable use cases because again, it's early days, and and we, as much as we want to build a business, we also want to drive adoption of this technology. And and you know, a few years down the line, we don't want people going, ah, yeah, those are just gimmicks and and whatnot. So yeah, it's something that Dominic's spoken about a lot is not just putting things on blockchain just to be on blockchain, but real use cases that are either going to be better faster or just above the type of technology we have now through through using blockchain which makes a lot of sense to me where do you see wordly heading in the next three years rob the next two to three years well in general i see warbly heading towards decent decentralized so again we've started centralized just again it was kind of lessons learned uh essentially trying to herd cats when everyone's got an opinion it's just it's kind of an impossible job so, uh, so what we definitely want to hand off control of the chain to the, to the community. So that's one thing. And then also just building applications, getting applications launched. So we, we've got the ones we've currently publicized and we constantly are talking to other app, uh, app teams um, to build on it. Uh, and I, I'm hesitant to provide predictions in general, just because, first of all, I think very few of the predictions have kind of come to fruition, and I'll be the first to know. I, like I said, the internet, my internet analogy, it's the same thing. I, I, I'm a firm believer in blockchain or decentralization in general, and to be honest, I think one of the major problems the space has had right now is people are trying to back blockchain into existing businesses first of all i'm not sure they really apply but second of all blockchain is a disruptive technology so i I mean a lot of these businesses if they introduce blockchain it takes their business away i mean i mean to be honest a lot of businesses are in business because they're a trusted third party and that's essentially what decentralization kind of removes the need for so again, I think the real stuff that I'm looking forward to in blockchain and decentralization in general is new applications that we aren't even aware of yet. And again, um, the big thing is socializing it, taking out the mystique to it, because it's, it's, it's not, if you distill it to the, to the core, and I know calling it a database is reductive, but you've got to kind of start somewhere familiar where people can wrap their head around and then um and then you get the entrepreneurs and the and the um and the developers who go aha i can use it for this so 
so yeah, I just, I really see us, see Warbly maturing, getting our, our, our uh, usage algorithms, the, um, and really facilitating kind of the financial services platform in the near future, and then we hand it off. And so, you know, if I'm still working as CTO, it'll be by the good graces of the community and, and not a centralized thing. Absolutely. I think a lot of people forget that Warbly is going to be moving to a decentralized model eventually. I wanted to kind of step back a second on a comment that you had made previously, and you spoke a little bit about the KYC. And I actually saw something today, which I dropped into the Telegram group, as I often do with different articles I see are, are kind of interesting. And um, Switzerland, for example, is, is moving towards uh, a little bit more of like a regulated market. So I think that KYC plays into that in, in such a way that it really is going to be relevant in a lot of ways in the future. Where do you see, I mean, we've spoken about where you see Warbly heading. Where do you see blockchain heading kind of around that same time frame of two to three years? Man, blockchain, that's an, again, it's a piece of the decentralized puzzle. So you have kind of the perfect fit use cases right now. Supply chain, kind of the big financial firms, they already know kind of how they, they want to transfer a value and whatnot. Um, that's fine. I do see KYC is, is related to identity. So I see blockchain really playing a key role in identity. And one thing we're, we're looking into doing is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Solid Project by Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the internet, but he's got a, he's got a project called Solid that's all about um, individuals owning their own personal data and stuff. So, um, I mean, it's very early days, but we're looking to integrate, integrate that. But, but it's, it's, it's really... And then it really depends on, on, the, on where the technology goes. So um, one of the big things that I read in the white paper, and I, uh, I wasn't sure how they were going to do it, is the scaling, right? Everyone is talking about um, the scaling. But, you know, as far as I know, at the end of the day, blockchain transactions need to be serialized. So I know there's, there's stuff you can do, which I think they're doing a lot of in, in, the, no, in the EOS software to parallelize, but the actual execution of the actions need to, be, need to be serialized. So, and then there's talking about IBC and whatnot. I, I don't know. If I had to guess, I'm thinking what you're going to do is, I'm not sure how important native IBC is in the long run. I'm thinking, and again, if you use the database analogy, you know, you have a web app that could be talking to five different databases, right? Maybe one that stores your user profile, one that stores your account balance and whatnot. I can guarantee you most of them aren't synchronizing or talking to each other. That IBC is done at the app layer. So I'm, I'm just, this is where I, I think um, for a, a long time, there's been kind of a maximalism in kind of the blockchain world where now it's it, it, it's a major player in kind of a whole de decentralized kind of economy so i i just i'm i think we might just see um purpose-built blockchains right so you may have a financial services blockchain you may have a an identity blockchain and and whatnot and they're just uh, they're essentially public databases that people can 
or apps can just query and and do their uh, business. But there's still a lot of tools that need to be built around it. I think that, as you said, the the beauty of keeping Warbly kind of dynamic is that you'll be able to adapt to a lot of these things in the future. Yeah, what, one of the big things is just it, again, the, the, the database analogy, it, it, it's, it's too technical for the average user, right? I mean, your average user doesn't know about the database. It doesn't know if you're running Oracle, MySQL. It doesn't even know they have an account on it. So kind of, I never understood asking people, hey, create an account on my chain. That would be kind of similar to me going, hey, I've got a MySQL database. Come create an account on it, and you can store some random data on it and, and play with it. So I think really abstracting that to the users, and again, it's gonna be the apps. The apps are what are going to, to power this. But I think a big thing is, I just, I think managing keys, especially if there's a bunch of different blockchain, that'll be, I think that's one of the prerequisites, a good kind of key management solution and this is probably coupled with the identity solution where it's kind of securely, but, but users don't have to think about and manage the various keys they're going to need to operate in kind of a, a decentralized slash blockchain powered world. Robert, I won't keep you any longer. It looks like the sun has gone down there. I know you have a big family and um, I know you have a lot of work to do. It's been a pleasure to sit down with you. I really hope that we can do it again sometime. I'd love to do the uh, token resource economy at some point. We have so much to talk about. There's so much going down, going, going on with Werbly, and it's just nice to be able to, to catch you for a few minutes and sit down. No, absolutely. It was my pleasure. And, and, and yeah, um, these are helpful to me as well. So yeah, I'd love to uh, uh, join again. So, and often. We'll see you soon, sir. You yes. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.